Hi, everyone. Welcome to the PUSA podcast from Media Plus Advisors. I'm Perry Ann Grignon, and I'm here today with my partners, Susan George and Carly Feinstein. Hi, Susan and Carly. Hi. Hello. We have an important topic to discuss today. Carly, uh, do you want to introduce what we're going to chew on today? I would love to. We're going to talk about marketer and agency partnerships today. We're going to dive into a discussion through a series of Q&A like we tend to do on our podcast. But before I ask Susan the first question, I want to point out two things to ask our listeners to keep in mind as they're taking in our content. You may know us as quote unquote media people, but we can assure you that our partnership point of view is relevant to any and all marketer external agency relationships, whether it's creative, PR, production, data management, anything. And we, the second thing is that we ask you to put aside any preconceived notions that the partnership and relationship topic is just the qualitative touchy-feely part of the business, because we can assure you that it's quantifiable and it can, it can improve marketing organizations and has a direct link to ROI. So I'm going to ask Susan the first question. We've spoken before about the importance of strong partnerships, but Susan, why is it so important for us to keep reiterating it? You know, I think it goes back to some of what you were just saying. You know, we we think of partnership and when we talk about partnership as almost kind of like a touchy-feely qualitative thing, and it really isn't. Um, We always talk about how we have some really deep experience in the consultancy. And a lot of that actually really comes from what people think of as traditional auditing. But when we think about a lot of our client relationships that we had for the longest time in our previous role and a lot of the clients that we're talking to now, they really come to us with a lot of um, questions around specific types of offerings. Is it audit? Is it contract? Is it this? But the heart of all of their questions that they're generally trying to get at is really about the partnership and the health of their partnership. Um, You know, some clients want to have some way to quantify that. Some clients want to have a way to go through a process where, you know, we're talking to different stakeholders, whether it's on the client side or the agency side, to really hear what some of the issues are about. Some clients are concerned from a contractual perspective what that means. But ultimately, whatever the question is, there's generally a a health check that they're looking for on their partnership. And they either, you know, and that doesn't mean it's a negative thing that they're looking to find. Often, you know, we've worked with clients who want to make sure that they can quantify how healthy their partnerships are because they want to be able to show within their organization how well they're managing that partner relationship and how much their value their agency partners are bringing to them. So, you know, but we do have this deep experience and we do know, you know, partnerships can sour, you know, they, things can happen when, um, you know, maybe expectations aren't clear and, you, you know, they need some help. But really, you know, the idea is that agencies work as an extension of the client's marketing organization. And I think we saw so much much of that over the last year, whether the client's marketing organization was down people, the agency was down people, they really needed to work together um, to achieve their goals. So so that's why partnerships are really just so important. And we just want to really always keep talking about them because they really are at the heart of um, everything we do. But I mean, Perry-Ann, you know, this relationship between agencies and marketers 
it isn't new. Agencies have always acted as um, an extension of the marketing department. So why do we need to have so much more focus on it now? Well, first I want to say, you know, during that recent ANA financial conference, you know, it, it's usually pretty common where the marketer speaker will thank their agency. This time, though, this conference, I thought it was more heightened and more specific, primarily because we're coming off 2020. But I think about, you know, what the importance is, you know, you see it in two areas. One is probably, you know, the complexity of audience management, um, you know, making sure that you have the right platform for what you're trying to do in reaching audiences and engaging with them in real time. And, you know, it's the agencies who are really doing the inventing around that. Um, I do know that there are obviously some clients who, you know, feel that that is something that they can do. But for the most part, it is something that the agencies have been on the forefront of. And they're the ones that can really help a client, you know, get to future proofing. But I think what's interesting, too, is like, are we at the kind of like the end of the beginning or, you know, the advent of influencer marketing? And I think what influencer marketing is going to finally do for our industry is break down the silos that were created, you know, decades ago when media and creative, you know, production, you know, kind of split apart. And when that happened, you know, clients got into this kind of scramble um, to say, oh, I need, you know, this supplier for this thing and that supplier for that thing. But I think influencer marketing is going to force a bringing together around the idea. And whatever that idea is for the brand, um, I think that we're going to see more teams develop, you know, across the holding companies. And that partnership thing, whether it's um, being in business together or, um, you know, working together for shared goals is going to continue to be heightened. You know, it's interesting because I... Um spend a lot of time, um, you know, following some specific influencers. And I think I've told you, I spend time on Reddit following um, a sub Reddit or whatever it's called that actually makes fun of a lot of influencers. But it, I always think like when you talk about crossing disciplines, I mean, you've got like the, the you're not really buying media on the platform, but there is a media control over, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, really working with these plat platforms. You know, you've got the creative strategy and everything. How do you get these influencers to really say what, um, you know, you've had teams and teams of strategic thinkers trying to develop your message? And 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 then there's the whole PR aspect as well, because we know how wrong some of those relationships can go. So it's, you know, really a different type of creative that really does cross so many different um, disciplines that marketers are used to working with. Yeah, because really we're leaving the scripted phase of marketing, right? Where mm -hmm. it's scripted, it's pre-produced, it's pre-recorded. And we're moving into the influencer phase where it's more open. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you obviously have to, you know, count on influencers being right for the brand and really right to speak extemporaneously for a brand in order to influence. I mean, uh, I hear you talk about it all the time. You know, you, you listen to a podcast and somebody was talking about something and the next thing you know, you know, you're, we're buying that thing. And that's, that's really because influencers have gone there. But here we are. Uh, like, sorry, I bought yeah. everything from um, dish detergent, 
mops and buckets to clothes to pet things and things like that on t- via you know TikTok videos that I've seen. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it because they're so engaging, they're it's so engaging. Right. But a mop and a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to call you later to find out what mop and bucket that was. But you know, so here it's we are. It's not often you hear the word engaging with mop and bucket. Mop and bucket. Right. And, and that you would think in 2021, um, you know, in my 40s that I would be served all of this mop and bucket content. <laughs> so you have to wonder why what that is, Susan. What is it that you've been you know, consuming or watching that's <laughs> serving you those ads. Or saying out loud. Right. Yeah, or saying Well, now that I've just said mop and bucket four times, I should expect a lot more. Um, my Facebook ads will suddenly pop up with all mops and buckets later on today. <laughs> yeah, maybe we named this podcast Mop and Buckets. Find, <laughs> find out why. Well, I guess we're on the, the edge of media palooza and pitch, pitch a palooza, right? Um, and we always say that clients shouldn't just jump in, you know, they should, you know, do an appraisal first, um, and go through that very important process to really get at their priorities. Um, Carly, what are some of the pros and cons here? Um, you know, why, why should clients do that? And really, you know, it's, it's, it's time consuming, right? They've got to go through the work and the process to do it. You know, what's the payoff for that? So, Pitches are exciting and fun, but like you just said, it's a jump in thing. They're often reactionary. So we at Media Plus Advisors encourage marketers to do a pre-pitch appraisal with an outside consultant's guidance before embarking on an agency search. However, we understand that some marketers will see this as a waste of time because they're certain about what they want and need or because procurement or their business requirements dictate that they do an agency review on a certain schedule. So let's go over the major pros and cons of a pre-pitch appraisal. The number one pro is pitch avoidance or, or setting up the review on the right course. So going into reviews, like you said, Perianna, costs time and money And more importantly, it diverts the focus of personnel on both sides away from delivering business needs. A pre-pitch appraisal will ascertain whether or not an agency review is truly necessary. Because you guys know most reasons for a pitch like cost savings, talent issues, process improvements, innovation and creativity, data and reporting, these are just a few to name they can be fixed with the current agency through communication, negotiation, and planning. So a consultant can help a marketing organization make changes to their internal operations and ways of working and with their partners that are often the root causes of these issues I just named. So at the very least, a pre-pitch appraisal will identify and prioritize the objectives of the pitch ensuring that all stakeholders and influencers of the review process at the organization are aligned. And this will ensure that the approach and the process for the search are set correctly to achieve that objective. So those are the pros of taking the time and it doesn't take that much time. We're we're talking about a couple of weeks. It doesn't, it's it's not forever. It's not gonna delay the inevitable and whether that inevitable is avoiding the pitch and just fixing things or going into it on the right course. 
And like I said before, the number one con is really just that it could be considered a waste of time. And we would agree that it is if the marketer has already done these steps we just talked about. So yes, it can be done internally. You don't need an outside consultant, but sometimes it really, you know, our point of view is that that sometimes it can be really helpful to have experienced people who have been through it and seen many different clients and agencies and 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 really can just help you decide is this the right the right step so and one last point but you know now you got i went over the major pros and cons but the last point is so important whether a marketer avoids a pitch by renegotiating with their agency or proceeds with a pitch to select and then selects a new agency or retains their current agency, a proper transition plan is integral to success. I've said this before, that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, but expecting different results. Too many times we've seen marketers jump right back into the swing of the things, you know, swing of things after a pitch to get back on course with the business that they just kind of stepped away from because of that lost time. But then they make the same mistakes with partners, the same bad processes and behaviors, contract noncompliance, lack of governance, misaligned expectations, scoping and staffing that doesn't match business objectives. So a proper transition plan will address all of these things and more to set the ship in the right direction. So, Susan, I'm going to ask you, we're talking about, you know, pre-pitch pre appraisals and other, other opportunities to uncover change and refinement. Another area that we see that we can use this type of appraisal is understanding all of the tech vendors and partners a client is using. So talk to us about how, you know, some of the clients can think about that as they look to fine-tune agency relationships. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think us, like many um, traditional auditors, have spent years trying to figure out what's the best way to really approach digital from an audit perspective. And, and you know, our feeling is really it's it's less about the audit and more about the understanding what your digital ecosystem is and how your agency partners um operate within your digital ecosystem. So, so there's a lot of different um, digital channels that you're using that's going to um, use different ad tech, different analytics, different data partners. And, and in many ways, you know, some of the, these relationships are going to be owned by your agency. Some are going to be owned by the client directly. And you know, a lot of them are new and evolving. I think on our last podcast, we were talking a little bit about the metaverse and NFTs and things like that. You know, there's always something new coming down the road that um, clients need to understand how it's working within their digital ecosystem. And, and it's very important to take a step back and really make sure you have that whole landscape mapped um, in order to understand well, when you want to understand what part of your partnership is is working, wh where do you start? Is are are you having problems with your viewability and you're getting mad at your agency, but maybe you need to do um, 
a vendor selection process mm -hmm. on your on the partner that's actually you're tagging with to measure your viewability and brand safety, you know, because maybe that's the step you need to take. So really mapping out who owns those relationships, um, who owns the contracts, who are the data providers you're using and how how do all of those providers work between your organization, your agency organizations? And if you're looking at digital, you're probably working with multiple agency partners once you start getting into things like social and other um, digital channels. So is it that's really the key first step. Um, we had talked a little bit about this when we had Carrie Bruce on our podcast last season from Reed Smith, talking about it from a contractual perspective. Um, but really not just from your contracts, really just understanding, do you really know all of the different digital partners you have, where, where your agency is involved in that, what contracts you own, what data you're using, do you have a really clear picture of your landscape? And that's really then where you can start and say, okay, well, if I have a partnership problem, I want to try to assess, where do I go? Once you have that, you really know where you can dig into. Um, but when we talk about that, Perianne, it sounds like we're kind of looking for problems. And, and that's not really true, is it? It's not really true. But I want to add there, too, is that what's been heightened here, too, is the advent of privacy controls, right? And, you know, as a former, you know, um, you know client-side person, you know, I was taught to think about risk and frameworks for risk in two buckets. One is controls and one is compliance. So someone once said to me that, you know, if you've got a control issue, you know, you could be, you know, fired for it. If you have a compliance issue, you could be going to jail. And so what's happening now uh, with, with digital and consumer protection is that these things are becoming very, very heightened. And it is essential that marketers understand and like you were saying you know map your process visualize it what tends to happen is that because the world is so complex because new opportunities come at it so quickly is that you know you might jump on an opportunity as a marketer and really not understand wait a minute who who is the client here and who is, you know, where is the money passing through? And that's really what Carrie uh, Bruce and Stacey Marcus talk about from Reed Smith, is take the time to understand that, you know, once you've got that framework set up, I think that you're going to feel a lot better as a marketer. You can visualize it and say, oh, okay, here, here's change, you know, coming down the hallway, about to hit me on the side of the head. You know, how is that going to impact my media and audience ecosystem? Um, I think the thing, too, is understand your baseline. If you want to go somewhere, you have to know where you're starting, because if you don't, you're not going to be able to understand what improvement means. Improvement is just a word, right? We we actually have to start there. And you kind of start off with talking about, you know, like, what really is uh, digital auditing? I think, like, in real time here, we should think about that as the next podcast um, and really get into that subject, because it's kind of a term that gets tossed around a lot, you know, mm -hmm. in our industry without a real understanding of um, what should it be and what what can it what can it bring you, you know, what can it uh, show you. So I don't think we're uncovering problems. I think we're uncovering opportunities to run 
your marketing and audience management services, um, you know, with better controls and within compliance. So you've got, you know, eyes wide open. But Carly, it kind of brings us to, you know, what you always talk about are, you know, the five essentials to a key partnership. And, um, you know, can you like address those and, and talk through those? I can talk about this all day long. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if I've said it before, it's super important and I want to talk about it even more uh, about just how to maintain a strong and successful partnership. I have to re reiterate that this is not fluff. We have seen from decades of experience at agencies, client side and consulting for Fortune 500 companies that when these things are addressed and done right, marketers and their agencies have successful outcomes. Here we go. Number one, communicate and align on expectations. We often hear both sides say things like, at my last agency, or we assumed no one can read minds. Don't, don't do that. Say what you mean, mean what you say. The second is scope the agreement and staff teams on both sides to match the expectations and business goals. Again, making assumptions leads to issues. Marketers, one piece of advice, if it's not in the scope of work, you can't get upset if the agency says they aren't staffed properly. Agencies, don't be afraid to put forth the staffing plan that you really need to get the job done because you don't think the client will pay for it. It can be an uncomfortable conversation, but it will be worthwhile because this negotiation will uncover the real priorities. Number three, trust and transparency are so important. Without them, a relationship just can't work. And this goes both ways. Number four, measure success on the shared goals that were identified together. Too many times we see measurement of what has always been done or what is easy to do. If the goal is important for the business, then it's important to measure it correctly. And number five, monitor and govern expectations, ways of working, and these success metrics on an ongoing basis. Check in on them to make sure that they're good for today and for the future. Those are great. Um, great advice, Carly. Um, I think this is such an interesting conversation. And, you know, Perry, and I probably will take you up on our next uh, discussion being about digital auditing, because I think there's a lot there. And, and you know, I think... Carly gave some really good um, good takeaways on just really how to think about partnerships. And I was thinking, you know, when you were saying have some uncomfortable conversations around staffing, that definitely reminded us of some of the things we were talking about last time um, coming out of, um, I think it was the Forrester ANA discussion. So I think that's a good message that, you know, in order to make it transparent, you know, you got to have some really uncomfortable conversations about it. But um but anyway, that's great. And I know we could all talk about partnerships all day long. And we actually do. We actually do talk about partnerships all day long when we're having our conversations with clients. So um, this has been great. Well, thank you guys very much. And this has been the Plus Up Podcast. And we will talk to you again soon.